Welcome to the family without Alex or Catherine. But Tevin's here. And Andy Brant Bernard. I don't know where the women are. It's I like have no idea. They're not even here for the beginning of the show. I don't understand that, but that's just me. We got a great guest coming up in about ten minutes, though. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody was up and ready to go and jumping in there. Um, anything new on the on the submarine, Andy? I haven't heard anything. I haven't either. They got what like twenty hours of air left. That's about it. Uh, yeah, I think it's like midday <clears throat> Thursday is when it runs out. Jeez. But I'm sure it's it's Jesus. been destroyed. You, you think for you're I almost care, certain. they ran into some debris and the submarine imploded and that's that. Yeah, probably true. I mm. kind of almost would hope so because I can't think oh. of a worse death mm-hmm. than sitting in the bottom of the ocean in a submarine watching your oxygen yep. just slowly end. And Andy, you said the compression when the oxygen disappeared, the thing will just cave in on itself anyway. No, the pressure inside the sub will remain constant. Well, I thought it was that would. I, I was told by a couple of people that would go away and the thing would just really crush up like a can. Oh, okay. Not likely, unless there's a leak. No, I suppose. Yeah, that's probably true. But in any case, uh, just a sad ass story. Two hundred fifty thousand bucks to go down there. Spent that. It was a yeah, million bucks. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars each. Yep, it was a million dollars they spent. Mm-hmm. And wasn't the there was a like a nineteen year old on it, correct? Yes. Like there's the son of the, one of the yeah, guys. one of the guys' yeah. sons. Yeah. Oh God. Yep. Thanks, Dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really appreciate it. Yeah, I see. That's in a situation I don't want to look at the Titanic. The humans it's, just don't belong two miles under the ocean. No, no they do it's not. It's just not a good place to be. Look who's late. And well, look, well, sorry, well. Robot oh, look who's even later. Oh, doggies. Dogs. Murphy and I had a running embrace. Say hello to. What is this? I mean, what is that? Look at that, huh? I don't know. My what Father's that is. Day gift. You Look at that. Got a new watch. I got a new watch, baby. Oh, okay. What do you think of that action? I like it. It's the old watch. I see. Do you want a watch too, Andy? I got another one. I'm good. I don't even wear my Fitbit anymore. I Watches didn't think just you did. bother me. I don't well, know why. Some people they do. Yep. I can't stand them. I love the women come in and they just talk like we're not on the air at all. Oh, and they just, just oh, you turn the light. Well, we started 20 after, so, you know, it'd be oh, nice yeah. if people were here on time. Mm-hmm. But when you have to go to the bathroom, we can start at yeah. 30. Yeah, what? That's different. He's been working on the morning. <laughs> I have two. Tevin, well, just not here. I, I don't know. I got nothing left. Yeah. I guess for that. No follow up. Nothing further you in your honor. No, we got Keep a your cu- head down. We got a couple of uh, we got a guest coming on in a couple of minutes. We were just okay. talking about the submarine, and there's no <gasps> new word on it. So. Uh, really? Not, I, had a, I had a friend send me the link to the story, or whatever, and I was like, "Yeah, we talked about it on the podcast today." And my mom almost had a panic attack, she and she did. was like, no, "She said there is nothing. Uh, there I is know. no nightmare that I can come no. up with that is worse no. than being two miles under the water, maybe in the dark." Waiting to die. Being bolted into. <laughs> I never even thought God. of that. Like if the like the lights didn't work uh, on it, and uh, now it's just pitch black. Oh, it's just too much. Yeah, it's too much for power reserve. I, so they're just waiting. Like, you, like Alex said, just you know, I'd probably just have to smash myself That's in the head till I died. That's I don't know. I, I was like, I would just no other way. Be like doing it. Bash me in the head. Please just can't. <clears throat> Wouldn't no. care much for it. That is true, but that yeah. just is, I wouldn't care much for it. Really, <laughs> very very sad wow. story. That's yeah, what that is. My friend that text messaged me the 
story said that she is afraid of even the idea of going on a cruise ship. I am not on backstage. No, sorry. that's okay. Cruise ships are fine. She was like, the idea of being out in just the open ocean. Yeah. With oh, yeah. She's like, yeah. no, never in my but life. I have a friend that's like that, too. She's like, a lot of people are just afraid of deep water where they yeah. cannot touch. You can't see the bottom. They're yeah. like, they can swim yeah. at a beach in the ocean, but they can't be like, so they can't touch. The it Titanic just... didn't do anybody any favors. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> unsinkable. Didn't do cruises any. It was unsinkable. Well, Don't I have the turned out. <laughs> I know. I've got delicious, so, delicious. Hey, Bill, I guess we were wrong about that unsinkable part. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. Well, we forgot about crashing into an iceberg. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I will say the irony of the unsinkable sunken ship. Now, this yeah. submarine thing. Mm-hmm. Might be caught up in it. Might be caught up in it. And there's such little communication that's able to happen yeah. and there's no word like there's no warning signal you can send out it just seems uh, it yeah, seems that, strange to me that was my big thing was like yeah. with in today's world where there's like black boxes on airplanes like yeah. you're tell- is there not like another ship above where you guys are going down there just better in case be. of emergency like, i'm yeah. not going over yeah. there without like, i'm just going straight down uh-uh. and i'll be we'll be up here <laughs> You're going to go yeah, just straight there. This will be our there. flight path. Yeah. This is yeah. exactly where maybe, we'll be at all times. Maybe connect yeah. a cable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something. <laughs> right? A two and a half mile long <laughs> cable? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a Absolutely. long cable. Absolutely. I expect that for my $250,000. Well, true. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That is true. Cable. That mm-hmm. is very, very true. <laughs> a yeah. rescue sub so right questions. behind me? 100%. Yeah. Something. Like a, if we're not back in 45 no. Come check on no. us. Yeah. And like, by no. the way, I don't know. That sub is about as big as this table. It's minuscule. See, that's Tiny, another yeah. thing that just makes no. me want to yep. throw up. I get this and like <laughs> tightness in my chest and my stomach. Just I thought starts... that was from Mary and me. Well, that's another story. <laughs> Different tightness. <laughs> Different <laughs> tightness in my chest. <laughs> that's Homer over here. It's more of a situation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for that. I feel much better about myself now. You started it. There's no question about it. Yeah. I want to ask you guys a question here, and Andy, uh, you you know a lot about AI, Andy. I, I bet I suppose probably more than you do. Probably. Well, he yes. definitely knows more than I do. There's no doubt about I was that. Say, I know good. that he knows more than you do. AI can now predict hit songs with 97 percent accuracy. <clears throat> well, it's, you just I have to ask the record executives; they'll tell you what's going to be the I next can. hit. Don't you think that most people could? I think so. Yes. That listen to music. To say, and any... I absolutely could. No. Well, really? I don't think it depends so. on the. 100%. There's a lot of very bad songs that became hits. Yeah, but it's it's all fixed. That's why. Well, it is. Yeah. No question. Yeah, you're well, right Tom, yeah. you were in the record industry. There was a lot of yep. strong arming and mm-hmm. paying off. And we got not lucky, that you though. ever did any of that. Well, no. We when I was there, we had the Beatles. We had yeah. You had a huge Steve Miller. We had Bob Seger. We yeah. had. The knack. I mean, the, our groups were huge. You had a huge, huge stable, as they had a huge stable, man. Mm-hmm. Were there any groups that blew up that you, first time you heard them, you were like, this is terrible, and then now they're like the biggest, like, did you think like the Beatles were trash, and then all of a sudden they blew up? I never up? thought the Beatles were trash. Just for, no, 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 just for example, just for example. <laughs> I don't think so, because by the time it got to the promotion department, they had made their decisions and all that. Oh, okay. And the people, I will tell you one thing, Capital didn't put up with any art of our artists being an asshole. They did not put up with that. It's like, you want to be on this label, you be, you know, these people are busting their ass for you out there in the field every day and you will not treat them poorly. It was, it was a great experience. I mean, you never ran into one of our acts that was mean to you. No. No, it was great. It was, they did a nice job. 
Bruce Wendell and Steve, they did a great job. Well, it was a different time, too. I mean, the it was a different music time. industry is just so different. No records anymore, man. I, I got to be honest with you, I do miss vinyl. I love vinyl back in the day. It's kind of making a comeback. That's what I hear. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are, will make their albums available on vinyl nowadays. We have a record player. Do you? Listen to it all the time. Do you have the, the Munts TV with the TV, radio, and record player all in one? Yeah. See? <laughs> yeah, the tubes. I have that. With the tubes. 100%. Um, I understand that they're, run, they're now running music um, through AI computers because it can take out things that the human ear can't hear. Oh, and I'm really? like, okay, so if we can't hear it anyway, why do you have to take it out? So why do they? Audio files. Yeah. They insist that they mm -hmm. can tell. Oh. oh. But the, do you think they can, Andy, or they're just making no, it I up? I don't think so, no. I, that's what I thought. Just another gimmick, I suppose. <clears throat> it's probably like a lot of the, uh, what's it, sommeliers for, with wine. Oh, yeah. Probably mm. the same kind These of These grapes were yeah. grown on the east side of the uh, northernmost mountain in Italy. And well, it's like, you don't know any Sommeliers of <laughs> have to go through a lot of training. <laughs> they do. Yeah, they have I to mean, go to, through if a they're, lot of training. Not, not you know... <clears throat> We're sommeliers.com, you know, YouTube yeah, training, but, you know, the real ones. <laughs> there's a great, I don't know if it's a docu-series or a documentary. I think it's a docu-series called Som, I think, on Netflix. Oh, yeah, that's, and it's goes I, lear I learned from Ralph about... and Lindsay that that's the cool little thing for sommeliers, Som. You just call them Som. Yeah, cool. Som. Little nickname. Oh, okay. Little nickname. Anyway, it's a really interesting, and I don't even really care about wine at all, mm. but I was like the Stuff that they have to go through and the yeah. tests, they have to be blindfolded. And Susan all Powers of this stuff. Yeah. did that, mm -hmm. and it was really, oh, yeah, yeah, that, it was yeah. a lot. I know, it's a lot of information, really intense. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, we were on vacation. I studied wine for years and years and years. I haven't in a long time now, but a lot of the sommeliers, oh, a lot of the psalms, excuse me, <laughs> yes. had no idea what the hell they were talking Let's about. Be hip and with it, Dan. Well, yeah, I wasn't with it because I didn't say psalms. <clears throat> Exactly, but yeah, a lot of sommeliers, not at the high-end places, obviously, but mm. they don't know very much about wine. They think they do, but they don't. It's very, very true. Probably going through sommelier training <laughs> is like being a real estate agent. You go through tons of training, and you get out, you know nothing about it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, no. Well, the real You're estate like, what? training is like three days long or whatever. It's so short. Yeah. But they have you memorize so much stuff. So much stuff. stupid stuff. And it's a bunch of really dumb crap. Like hectares and blah. It's, it's like, like, why do I have to know the difference know, between riparian rights and the other one? It's like, does it really matter for, I guess as a realtor? if you're selling Lakeshore frontage, like, I don't why know. Do, the realtor doesn't really care about that no, sort of thing. No, that's not your job. That's like the city no. that takes care of that sort of right. thing. Right. Yeah. No, that's very, I don't get very it. true. No. It didn't help you become a real estate agent. No. One bit. Not at all. Well. So, so. your mother and I last night decided to go with humor night because we watched about an hour and a half TV a night with one another. Went through a humor night. We started off with... Uh, Barry. The Office. We started with The oh, Office. Oh, we started with The Office. Which American or British? <clears throat> um, American. The American version, and it's the extended cut version. It's a phenomenal. The extended cut is better than the original one. Because they put all this other stuff in there that they had recorded but then cut it out. And they had to cut it for TV. Because uh, yes. I think The Office was 22, right? 
Mm, yeah. What, mm-hmm. What's what's Dwight shoot? Rain Shrute. Wilson yes. shoot? Wayne. Wayne Wilson. Wilson. Rain Wilson. Rain. Wayne Wilson. Rain Wilson. He is so damn funny. He's he is. very. He funny. is so funny. The great guy too. We've had him on the show a number of times. Just a really nice guy. Although the last time he was on, he was pretending to be someone else. So that was kind of weird. What? Yeah, it's Tom. By the way. Yeah, I mean he's it's the same voice. Tom, I know that you were expecting Rain Wilson to be on with you, and he, he loves being on with you and stuff, but he couldn't make it today. I'm Bill Burditzman. It's like, I know it's you, Rain. So, Bill Burditzman? No, I, no, no, it's not. I just made up a name. <laughs> oh. I, Jesus. <laughs> Stay well, with that's me. a strange Ditz? name to come up with, even. Good old Bill Burditzman. Bill Burditzman, very famous, <laughs> very famous human being. Uh, okay, yeah. you guys. <laughs> really, really interesting stuff. No, a really good guy. He is. Rain Wilson is a really nice guy. Very talented. Very. He's got a new show out. Somebody told me. Does he? He's on tour of the United States or something. Some deal. Oh, I don't know. Um, but I guess he's really good. I guess it's a really good uh, TV show. So you have to watch it because I always liked it. What was the name of that that one year he played a detective and it was really good, but it just uh, went away. Oh man, what was that know. called? Who, Rain Wilson. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. Let's see. What It'll the come hell to me. Was it? it only lasted Backstrom. one. Backstrom. Backstrom. Yes, it was like it was thirteen like, episodes. Oh, yeah. yeah, Backstrom. It did not do well. That. It started. It was a very, very famous show over in I think Sweden. I think wow. is where it started. <clears throat> and then okay. they did an American version, but I loved it. But the America, America didn't like that show for some you reason. You and the Swedes. I remember that? Yeah, me and the Swedes. That's, <laughs> you uh, liked it. I liked it. Uh, Backstrom is kind of a. Isn't that a Swedish name? It's a, a based on a yeah. Swedish book ah, series. That's why they liked it. Backstrom. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. 
You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. We have our guest on the line. Shelly Herman's with us. Shelly, how are you? I'm just fine, guys. I Thank you for mentioning that show because I'm a huge Rain Wilson fan. I had never heard of it before. Oh, Backstrom. It's really good. There's only 13 episodes. It only lasted one year, but he is a detective in it. And he's a, I know this is going to be hard to believe, Shelley, but he's a smart-ass detective. <laughs> so, no. No, that didn't happen, did it? No, Shelley, watch it. You'll really like it. It's very, very good. Only 13 episodes. And yeah, highly recommended. Shelley, it's going to be one of those uh, interviews where I'm not going to talk at all because... My Peacock Tale, Secrets of an NBC Page. I cannot wait to hear these stories. This ought to be, this ought to be a hell of a show, Shelley. Let me put it that way. Uh, well, um, I, I can just leap into the, uh, the gossip pool and um, start telling you that um, Johnny Carson was terrific. How, we, how do we start off there? Okay. Well, he was terrific because some people, I guess he was not a good drinker, though. I heard when he got drunk, he was a real mean guy. Well, whenever I saw him at work, and, you know, a lot of people would think, uh, let's back it up a little bit. Johnny okay. Carson was the guy who hosted The Tonight Show before Jimmy Fallon. Well, right. He was the guy who hosted The Tonight Show before Jay Leno. He was the guy that was the king of yeah. late night. Of all time. At the time that I was working at NBC. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's amazing how many people don't know who Johnny Carson is. Uh, it's astonishing to me. Uh, but uh, a lot of people think that he would just work for an hour every night, do the show, and go home. But his day started at the crack of dawn. He lived in Malibu. He would get several newspapers to read. He would start writing jokes for the monologue. He would call into NBC, which was about an hour's drive from where he lived, and he would say, well, these are some good topics. We can, you know, let's, let's talk about the air traffic controllers or... Uh, you know, let's talk about uh, B.B. Rebozo. That's a funny name. Let's, let's do B.B. Rebozo jokes. And he would be on the phone with people up until he left his house in Malibu. He would drive in, get there about 2 o'clock. And coincidentally, our NBC tours would just happen to be in the Midway area where he parked his car. So the people on the tour had a chance to see him. And I think everybody was always a little bit shocked to see Johnny in civilian clothes, not wearing a suit and tie. Oh, sure. And yeah. he, would, he would usually give the tour a little, a little joke here or there, go straight up to his office, hone the monologue for that evening, and we wouldn't see him unless there was a rehearsal to do one of the uh, tea time movies 
or Art Fern doing uh, another bit, or uh, he was he was very focused on doing that show as best he could that evening. Uh, during commercial breaks, he would talk to the audience a little bit, but most of the time, because they shot it as though it were a live show, the minute they went to commercial, it was almost like an Indy 500 pit crew would descend upon him, <laughs> and they would. They would touch up his makeup, they'd fix his hair, they'd give him notes on who the next guest was going to be, tell him, okay, you only have X amount of time to do this interview, or you ran over late, so we're bumping the next guest. And it was all done with such precision that Johnny made it look effortless. Um, I will tell you one thing. In my opinion, and I was, God, I suppose, when Johnny Carson started that show, I might have been, what year did he start, Shelley? Well, he came to Los Angeles in 1972. Okay. Uh, having having started the Tonight Show in New York, where Steve Allen, who originated the Tonight Show, mm-hmm. uh, is where he began. And I was fortunate that I went to high school and it, it, at the time. It was still a very small town out in Agora, California. And when Johnny moved the show out to the West Coast, I went to school with a guy named Stephen Cohen, whose daddy was Shelley Cohen. And whenever Doc Severinsen wasn't available to lead the band mm-hmm. or Tommy Newsom wasn't available, then it was Shelley Cohen. So he was the, 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 the third guy in a row to, uh, to get up to the, the baton to uh, conduct the orchestra. So because of knowing Stephen, we were able, as high school kids, to go to NBC and we were able to watch tapings of Midnight Special, and we could sneak into the Tonight Show. And I would see these people standing around wearing these ugly polyester uniforms, and they were just <laughs> doing nothing. And they were getting to watch TV shows and get paid for it. And I thought, I could stand around and do nothing. I want that job. And that's how I got the idea to get into uh, the NBC Page program. That's wonderful. Shelley uh, Herman is with us today, ladies and gentlemen. My Peacock Tale, Secrets of an NBC Page. Uh, Shelly, you're, you're talking, I don't think Johnny Carson ever had a bigger fan than me. <clears throat> never met him, never talked to him, unfortunately. I, I would have loved to have done that. Talked to his son a couple of times. One of his sons, unfortunately, died an horrific death driving off a cliff. Aye. But <clears throat> nobody before him and nobody after him was anywhere near as good as Johnny Carson. Steve Allen was terrific. Johnny was better. Well, Johnny really did have the common touch. Yep. He, he, you know, Nebraska boy, he, he knew that, much like Bob Hope, um, we never knew if Bob Hope was a Republican or a Democrat. We right. didn't know that about Johnny either. Yep. He, he was an equal opportunity mocker that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, anybody that deserved a little bit of ribbing, he would give it to them. And, you know, if you're, if, if you're, such a huge fan of Johnny. I hope you've kind of gone down the, the rabbit hole and looked at some of the old YouTube clips of Johnny. And there's, there's some wonderful things on there about when he went back to Nebraska to visit his hometown. Uh, there's a one with Regis where he's uh, basically a day in the life of Johnny Carson at NBC with Regis Philbin. <clears throat> that is priceless. I mean, it's such, it's such a treasure to have this in a little time capsule now. Oh, there's no doubt about that. You know, I just saw, uh, by coincidence, Shelley, because I didn't know where you were going to be on last week, but just last week, 
I started watching the, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson from the very first episode because it's available because of streaming. It is magnificent. Mm-hmm. His very first year, uh, I believe it was, he comes out to do his monologue, which, by the way, those monologues were brilliant. Very. Did Pat uh, McCormick write a lot of those? At the time I was at NBC, Pat was employed there, yes. Yeah, I mean, he was um, brilliant. And, yeah, if there was a joke that um, could go south real fast, <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> Pat, Pat could do that. Because, you know, sometimes having a joke that was a groaner was a, was a good icebreaker for the audience and sure. for Johnny. Because it humanized him. And uh, he, I think people like seeing him get out of trouble if there was a joke <laughs> that had bombed. See, I love um, that. Uh, an example, the very, I, I don't know if it was the very first episode, but it was a very early episode. Johnny walked out and he's doing his monologue and he tells the joke, coming home from work, where did Papa Bear find Mama Bear? Long pause, on top of old Smokey. <laughs> God. <laughs> that is a groaner. Extra no, groan. That's a brilliant that, that joke. Was, that was a pretty pretty risque joke back in the day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I will tell you, Shelly, even when I was a kid in, in school, in high school, I would watch that show. And, of course, it, it was an hour and a half long at first, by the way. People don't know that. Mm-hmm. Short, shortened to an hour later. So I literally wouldn't get to bed until about 12.30 in the morning some nights because I stayed up to watch Johnny Carson, which my mother was not real happy with me about. But, Shelly, seriously. Well, there here's, here's, a little, here's, here's a little secret, too. Is if the show was um, the 90-minute version and they had to cut somebody at the end, uh, what they would do is Ed McMahon would record the whole opening again. And oh. the person that they had to cut. Yeah. God, what a great show! I, I mean, the producer of the show, he used to, he used to talk about. I, look, because of Johnny Carson, I found out who Don Rickles was. I found out you get on the list of all these people who became huge stars. Do you? Is there any accounting of how many huge stars broke it? Because Louis Anderson from Minnesota, mm-hmm. Louis Anderson broke huge right after he was on the Tonight Show. It. How many careers did it, it did, did it create? Well, I would say the biggest one would be Freddie Prinze, who went on to oh. star on the sitcom Chico and the Man. Yeah. And that's another YouTube video that, if people don't know who Freddie Prinze was, this was a 19-year-old kid who, since at the age of 15, was honing his craft to be a stand-up. And uh, Jim McCauley, who used to go to the comedy store to, and the improv to scout talent, saw Freddie, who... It, it was uh, his Puerto Rican guy, long hair, had a mustache, wore blue jeans, uh, wasn't exactly tonight show material. Mm-hmm. And what happened was minutes before Freddie was going to go on, Fred de Cordova pulled Peter LaSalle aside, who was the, the producer of the show, and Fred de Cordova said, Johnny's not going to like this guy. He's, <laughs> he, you know, look at him. He's a, he looks like he's a bum. And Peter LaSalle said, nope, he's going on, he's going on. Freddie went on, did his his set. Johnny invited him over to the couch. I remember. He got a huge standing ovation. And it happened that James Comack was in the process of looking for somebody to play the lead character in a sitcom he was developing 
titled Chico and the Man. And he called, James Comack called Peter LaSalle the next day and said, I found my Chico. God. What a great story that is. I mean, and Freddie Prinze only lived, did he end up, he ended up committing suicide, did he not? He did, and he had been somebody who had grappled with mental illness right. many years before he even became famous. And in a very unprecedented um, ruling, his estate was awarded a very large cash settlement because it was determined that the doctors had overprescribed medication to uh, Freddie and oh. that he wasn't in his right mind when he uh, shot himself. Uh. I mean, that's the old story with people like Michael Jackson, over-subscribing medication. It, it cost him his life. Uh, you Sadly, know, pre prescribe, yeah. Prescribing all this medication. I, Judy Garland. Judy Garland was another one. That's exactly right. But um, is there, because I heard uh, some rumors, there were a couple of people that Johnny Carson just could not stand and he wouldn't let them on the show. Were there a, a few people like that you know of, Shelley? I don't know of the people he didn't like, because obviously they never got near me if he, <laughs> they didn't get into the studio. Right. Um, I, I do know that he his favorites were, he loved Tony Randall being on the show. Mm -hmm. Tony Randall from The Odd Couple. Yep. Uh, people might know him from that. Uh, he loved, 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 loved Bob Newhart. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's because when these guests came on the show... And, you know, these aren't top stars. We're not talking, you know, Burt Reynolds, you know, Warren Beatty type of stars here. But whenever Tony Randall, Bob Newhart, Rickles, they would come prepared to sit and talk to Johnny. And they could converse as though they were just, you know, sitting over a dinner table talking. And it was always interesting. Johnny could always rib them a little bit. And so that's why you saw these people on the show frequently, even though they didn't necessarily have a, a movie or a book to plug. Shelley, it's so interesting. Having you on is wonderful for me because the things just keep popping in my head. And you mentioned the name Burt Reynolds. And, of course, one of the great lines of all time from Johnny Carson, Burt Reynolds had been shot totally naked, laying on his, uh, I believe, left side. And he had his right hand covering his crotch. Oh, yeah. Remember that picture? I re that was, yeah. You remember it very vividly, don't you? I do, because of what Johnny Carson said to him was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. He said, you know, Bert, I, I got some, maybe it's not bad news because you ended up doing the, the shoot yourself. That's good. But I was originally booked to do that shoot. I was going to lay there naked with my uh, hand over my uh, crotch, but... They canceled it because they couldn't find a catcher's mitt. <laughs> <laughs> See, Shelly, it's all still in my head. I'm telling you, every minute of Johnny Carson is still in my head because I loved that show and him and Ed McMahon. And you go down the whole cast. It was a wonderfully put-together show. Um, the producer got a lot of credit from Johnny for that, did he not? Well, Johnny... It's hard to believe that somebody like Johnny Carson would ever be nervous about doing a format like this. He originally had um, been a game show host. Yes. And was, was asked to do The Tonight Show. And because Johnny had respect for Jack Benny, uh, he asked Fred de Cordova to be the show's executive yep. producer because Fred had worked for Jack Benny. And 
there was a confidence level there. And, and Fred was a, basically an old veteran at the time. Um, but once The Tonight Show really got up and running, um, Peter LaSalle was really yeah. the, the heart and the brains behind the operation. And, and he went on to, to help launch a lot of other uh, shows. Um, and and he's, um, he's a dear man, and he's really smart. And I don't know that he, he gets enough credit for everything that he did for not only The Tonight Show, but for, for late-night television in general. Well, he didn't get Don Rickles going after him like he did for Freddie because that was another great memory. And again, I can picture mm-hmm. these scenes in my head, Shelley. That's how bad I've been addicted to Johnny Carson over the years. But Can you remember some <clears throat> of those fashions? Oh, my God, some of his suits were so hideous. Oh, they were not nice. <laughs> they were not cute. By today's well, standards. But did, you, did you know that he had his own clothing line at a certain point? No, I didn't. I owned one of his sports yeah. coats, you Shelley. You did? Yep, I did. Oh, wow. I bought a Johnny Carson sport coat. Was it a giant orange plaid kind of thing? <laughs> no, 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 it was not okay. that. It was not that bad. With the huge ties, no, the huge ties. <laughs> and to make things even uh, weirder, he, Johnny had his own line of Ben's cologne named Johnny. Oh, I didn't see. know that either. Shelly, why do you, th- do you think the fame did it to him and the fact that he had such a hard time being a married man? Uh, you know what? I don't know if anything did it to him because I think he got out. He was still at the top of his game. He got to live out the rest of his life doing exactly what he wanted to do. Uh, we've all heard stories of him, his, his love of being on his yacht. Yep. He liked to travel to the Serengeti, uh, except for the fact that he, he would have been the first to admit it, those, those damn cigarettes mm. um, yep. is what shortened the quality of his life uh, towards the end. Yeah, it's so sad because he was a huge... Well, I remember that everybody used to come on that show, whether it was Dean Martin or whoever it was, he and John, they would, Johnny would smoke along with them. Those cigarettes were puffing up a storm for the first at least 10 years of that show. Oh, yeah. Well, and even when Johnny would come downstairs from his office, which was right above uh, uh, Studio One, um, he would walk down the stairs, he'd smoke a cigarette, go into the makeup room. Harry Blake, the, the main makeup artist there, would you know, put the little powder makeup on his face. He would extinguish his cigarette before he went into the studio, went behind the curtain waiting for years, Johnny, to come out. And then the minute he sat down at his desk, there was an ashtray under his desk. There was a little yep. fan to try to disperse the smoke. But he was genuinely addicted, and um, he couldn't kick it. I do remember when Don Rickles came on the show and accidentally broke the box where his cigarettes were sitting on his desk, Johnny Carson, I mean, that Don Don kind of broke the lid on it, and I will never forget that scene because Johnny was not happy about it, but it was Don Rickles, so he let it go. Pretty cool. Well, the, the, the fact that Don Rickles was taping his sitcom CPO Shark right. in, the, uh, in the adjoining studio... And back then, cameras were, you know, the size of a studio apartment, practically. They were these <laughs> lumbrous old, old cameras. And the fact that they were able to maneuver that through the hallway and genuinely surprise Don Rickles yep. in the middle of taping his sitcom, 
that was a great stunt that they were going to pull off. And it's become one of those classic TV clips that, uh, that people always are, are excited to see. Michelle, you don't need to get too deeply into this one if you don't want to. But if you want to, that's fine. Because I've seen clips, but you don't know if they were put together later. Did he really say to Jane Fonda what everybody claims he said to Jane Fonda? You know, I've heard it from Jane Fonda. I heard he said it to Zsa Zsa Gabor. I heard he said it to Raquel Wells. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think depending on who the the beautiful woman was at the time, um, it's a story about um, uh, petting an animal on her lap. Yes. And... Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen the clip, but it's one of those stories that circulates. I've seen the clip, but I don't know if it was put together afterwards or not. Because in the clip, Jane Fonda, well, I, I will just, because they call cats. Well, doesn't she, doesn't she ask him in the clip if it actually happened? Yes. In the clip I'm thinking of. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Because apparently what happened was... She had a, had a cat on her lap, and I can't look at my wife or my daughter when I say this, but this was on live television back in those days. Um, she had a cat on her lap, and Johnny was talking to her, and she said to Johnny, would you like to pet my pussy? And he said, yeah, if you move the cat. Oh. Do you believe that he actually and and Shelley that was sexual harassment. What year was that, Shelley? That was a long time ago. Again, I've never seen that clip. But you know what? You talk about clips that people forget about. Uh, I I work in the game show business, and I'm very friendly with a lot of the people from the Chuck Barris organization. Oh, sure. And for the longest time, everybody denied the fact that there was a innuendo uh, that was set on the newlywed game about where a certain couple liked to make whoopee. Right. Yeah, make a whoopee. Nope. Oh, my <laughs> God. Uh, and and I, I, I know Bob Eubanks. I knew the Walt Case, one of the producers. And when this joke started circulating about this innuendo... I'm trying to keep this clean for everybody. Um, you don't have to. Uh, they all said no. It never. They never mentioned an anatomical location to have to make Whoopi on the show. Well, sure enough, the clip did show up it many, did. many years later. Yep. And the guys were just kind of asleep at the switch and completely forgot about it. That is a true story. Do you guys know what she's talking about? I do. Nope. You've told nope. the story. Ah, uh, yes, because, I, I mean, <laughs> Shelley, basically everything you talk about, I am such a huge fan of that genre that I know exactly what you're talking about, every clip you bring up. But uh, it was, and she actually did say that. Where it, The question was, where is your favorite place to make love? Correct, Shelley? Isn't that the way the question was asked? Might have been whoopee. Oh, yeah, whoopee. to make whoopee. You're it's absolutely a, right, because you're right. Where is your favorite place to make whoopee? And again, I can't look up from this because the woman on the show said, well, that'd be in the butt, Bob. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she actually said that live on television. It's like, and she kind of said it in a way like, is this the answer you're looking for? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Shelly, how, how did you get into you know, business? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. 
No, go ahead. You ask the questions, babe. It's your show. How did you get, uh, and I, I don't want to say that you were lucky to get the job, but you have to consider yourself pretty damn lucky to break in where you brought all the great stars you worked with, wonderful shows. Isn't that, that's a, it's a great story, Shelley. Well, I, I, I have got to say luck was a huge factor. Uh, presently, there are 16,000 people who apply for jobs as a page at NBC, whether it's in Burbank or New York. And right now you have to be a college graduate. Uh, they ask that you send in your resume along with a two-minute tape as to why you'd be the perkiest little page that NBC ever hired. And then if they like you, they really, really like you, they will fly you to either New York or Los Angeles for an in-person interview, all expense paid. And then hopefully you get on the list of whenever a page leaves their job, which they're only allowed to stay for 18 months as part of the uh, NBC executive training program, as it was first known. Uh, and uh, they say the odds are getting into Harvard are better than becoming a page. <laughs> yeah, but probably. Here's some, here's some famous people who were pages. How about Regis Philbin? Yep. Oh, really? Uh, uh, game show host Peter Marshall was 15 oh. when he got his job, uh, when he started as a page. And we're coming up to the 90th anniversary of the NBC page program this year. Wow. I began... 47 years ago today. Uh, Happy anniversary. Page. <laughs> um, let me see who I, Well, Aubrey Plaza, who's a contemporary actress now, she was a page. Uh, Chuck Barris, Richard Benjamin, Hugh Downs, Gene Rayburn. Uh, and, and those are just the names you know, but a lot of people who were executives, Grant Tinker was a page. God, um, really? They, they were very successful in the NBC training program. I could see Sage doing this. Sage the 100%. page. 100%. That'd be pretty good, absolutely. Shelly Herman, ladies and gentlemen, the book is called My uh, Peacock Tale, Secrets of an ABC Page. I mean, we could NBC. go... NBC! NBC, come on, uh, buddy. What did I say? ABC. Uh, I did? Uh, oh, you know what? I should have put my glasses on, Shelly, because I knew it was on NBC, yeah, of course. Gotta wear those spectacles. There's no question about a My Peacock Tale, because the peacock is a symbol of NBC, of course. Yes. My Peacock Tale, Secrets of an... N I, got, I have my glasses on now, Shelly, so it's good. Of an NBC page is a funny, sexy, gossipy, celebrity-filled memoir with real-life, never-before-told stories. Shelly, the problem is we only have, like, 30 seconds left with you because you have other things. Well, she things can stay till 10 after, apparently. Oh, you can? Mm-hmm. Are you sure you want to do that, Shelly? I'm all yours, babe. Sure. I'm all yours, babe. I love it. Because there, I just noticed another thing. There are also stories of unwanted sexual advances made on the pages, both men and women. The page staff was like a showbiz exclusive sorority fraternity. I, I would love to hear about that. God, thanks for staying with us extra time. Oh, my pleasure. Tell me, tell me what part you want to hear about. I just so would this be the people, the guests on the show that would come on? What are you laughing about? I'm sorry. I, I look over and Catherine's got her hand in the air and then I look down at the screen and Alex is like bent over messing her, with Jude and so was in Catherine's the covering her butt. With her hand. <laughs> That's real nice. I'm trying to give you some decency here. See, Shelly, this is my life right here, Shelly. This is, this is, this is my life now. Honest to God. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful. 
someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. So, so on the show, the pages were generally in their late teens, early 20s, were you not? Or were you all, how old were you when, when you were a page on the show? Now, I got in under the wire because I hadn't yet graduated college, but there had been a strike at uh, NBC, and then when the strike was resolved, they realized they needed a whole bunch of pages to come in and start giving tours around NBC Burbank because some of the pages who had been filling in at different parts of NBC during the strike, they got promoted and they got jobs. So they quick needed a whole bunch of people on the page staff. Mm -hmm. um, and as, as far as, um, like, little uh, sexual encounters uh, <laughs> on the NBC page staff, because uh, I know that's where you were going, um, sometimes um, the pages um, would do limo runs to the airport. Oh. Where they would, have, they would have a celebrity in the limousine with them, and our job was to make sure they got on the plane. And, and or if we were picking them up at the airport, like, there's, there's so many wonderful stories of celebrity encounters, but occasionally, and this happened with the guys and the girls, sometimes people would get handsy in the limo. Oh. Not cool. Uh, but the best, the best, best story in the book involved Gilda Radner. I love um, Gilda Radner. And, and Gilda was, at the time, the number one star next to Johnny on, on the NBC network. And my friend Pete Hammond... Uh, picked her up at the airport and escorted her to the NBC Universal, which, if you remember, Johnny called it the Universal Unbearable. Uh, and, <laughs> yes. and, and they, and they, she was the thing where she would do a meet and greet with different NBC affiliates and press people promoting Saturday Night Live. When she was done, she turned to Pete and she said, I've never been to Hollywood before. I have four hours before my flight leaves. Show me Hollywood. So Pete grabbed two other pages, Linda Levinson and Melissa Hunt. They piled into Pete's Mustang. They, they took her to the Chinese theater, and she did the handprints and the footprints, and they took her into Westwood, where UCLA is located. And you had to have Sam's Donuts back in the day. That sure. was it. And she'd never had a falafel before. 
and she was dating a guy whose parents lived in the Hollywood area, right near CBS. And they went to visit her, uh, the, 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 the boyfriend's parents, and Pete was starting to get a little bit nervous about, you know, we've got to get to that plane. It's time is a, time's a wasting. And as they left the boyfriend's parents' house, the Mustang ran out of gas. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> and, and Pete said to Gilda, Linda, and Melissa, get behind the car and push, girls. Let's, let me drive us over to the gas station. <laughs> and here's America's sweetheart pushing the car <laughs> down Fairfax and Beverly to try to get gas. <laughs> and he, so they got the gas in the car. They were on their merry way, and Pete didn't think, you know, he'd hear from Gilda ever again. It was a fun adventure. But two months later, she wrote the most adorable letter thanking him, and I was able to get permission to use that letter in the book. And I I thank social media because, um, you know, you can't just put anything in a book, pictures, letters, things like that. You have to get permission. Sure. And I didn't know anybody who was affiliated with Gilda, but I went on Facebook. I contacted Alan Zweibel, who was her writer and dear friend, and I said, hi, this is me, and this is Pete's story, and um, do you know how to get in charge with, in touch with Gilda's estate? Five minutes later, he gave me uh, the private email address for her brother. Ten minutes later, I had a photo release, and I could use the letter in the book. Wow. How wonderful is that? Yeah, uh, it's it's such a sweet letter. It's to her little handwriting and signed, Love Gilda. That was a tough loss. I do remember just thinking back. How You know, I never met Gilda Radner. I never even talked to her, actually. But she she did seem like such a sweet and nice person. Very, very talented, by the way. Uh, But she just... Came across very, very sweet. Now, she once in a while tried to play these tough edge characters, and she was good at it, don't get me wrong, but she just weren't convinced that she would ever be like that character. She was that good an actor, I guess. But yeah, I, I like I said, never had it, had the good luck of talking to her or meeting her, but Didn't I thought she was. Didn't she die wonderful. of ovarian cancer? I think so, yep, yeah. Yep, at 42. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And, and somebody who had been misdiagnosed because she was trying to get pregnant. With her then husband Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder, right. yeah, and they just they just kept saying, "Well, you're you know you're an older woman trying to get pregnant, and things happen, and it's not always easy." And you would think that with all of the money and access that she had to doctors, that somebody would have caught this much sooner. And she had a family history of ovarian cancer, oh, and they didn't catch it in time. Wow. So that, that, there must be, and I don't want to get too deep into this, Shelley, because it's been such a joy talking to you, but there must have been things that happened on that show that you still carry around with you, maybe not very positive things, making sad or angry or whatever. Um, of my page experiences, um, I got to tell you, if, if somebody could turn back the hands of time, I would do it all over again in a minute. Great to hear. See, that's I, great to hear. I... I have friendships that have lasted these 47 years. Um, we still, there's a group of us, about 12 of us, and we still all, we celebrate our birthdays together. We watch the award shows on TV together. Uh, we've gone to our parents' funerals together. Um, it's been such 
a joyous group of friends, and I, I, I value that more than, than seeing any of the celebrities or any of that stuff. Is what, what came out of this uh, experience was, was, were the friends. This is a great story. Uh, very, I know, like I said, you only got a, a couple of more minutes with us, but Ed McMahon, we haven't talked about Ed yet. I uh, used to interview Ed all the time. I mean, I talked to him a couple times a year for year after year after year. And one thing he always did for me, and I didn't ask him to do it, he just did it, and maybe he did it for everyone. But whenever Ed McMahon would come on the morning show, because I did the same morning show for 37 years here in Minneapolis-St. Paul, but he would come on the show... And every time he would start his interview with, here's Tommy, which I thought was very oh. sweet. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool. It was. Shelly, for him to do that for me, it, we still got it recorded. There, there are recordings of it places, and I still look back. But he's another guy. You couldn't find a nicer guy than Ed McMahon, right? You know, it's so funny because you would think that, um, you know, when Johnny would come to work that, you know, he would be in, you know, a limo, maybe a, a police escort. You know, you would think there'd be all this hubbub with Johnny. But Johnny just would drive to work in, he usually had a Corvette back in the day. Yep. And he, he would drive in himself, go in, say hi to all the tourists and everything. Ed, he came in a limousine every day. Whoa, well. And... <laughs> and I mean, there might be something to be said for not wanting to drive if, if he felt impaired at all. Sure. That might be one of the reasons. Sure. But um, also it gave Ed a chance to, you know, do paperwork in a car and whatever, whatever. But you would think of all the people, you know, he wouldn't need to take a limo to work every day. Shelley, I'll tell you what, you're, you're, you've left me with these magnificent memories for the rest of the day because another one just popped into my head. Talk about Johnny driving his Corvette to work every day. And Johnny got a new Corvette. And live on the show, Ed says to him, Johnny, really, that's your new car? I didn't know it was in your parking spot, but that's your new car, is it? And he said, uh, he goes, yeah, that's my new car. Why? What about it? And he goes, well, that, that license plate, you didn't pick that license plate out, did you? He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, hey, you haven't seen your license plate on your new car? He goes, I didn't really pay any attention. And apparently it was 360-G-U-Y. And Ed McMahon goes, mm-hmm. oh, you're an all-around guy, are you? <laughs> <laughs> it was a great moment. That's what I love so yeah, much Johnny about that. Johnny swears that he, never, he didn't do that on purpose. And I have to believe Johnny on this because you don't, it's one thing to be conspicuous driving a flashy Corvette, but yeah. to put a vanity plate on top of it seemed a little like overkill. I don't think he would have done it purposefully. 360 guy, though. And Ed's like, really? That's your plate? 360 guy? He wouldn't leave him alone all night about that. I thought it was very funny. Shelly, please do come back. I, I, you would get brought back so many wonderful memories of my childhood and my 20s and 30s and all the time. I never missed the show, Shelly. Never. I love the Johnny Carson show so much. I, I can't even tell you how much I loved it. Right? Oh, well, I love hearing that. I love hearing that, uh, that it, it's, it not only lives on in your, in your memories, but that you can, you know, go back and watch it on, uh, on yeah. different sources, different, you know, streaming services. And 
Johnny's nephew is doing a wonderful job maintaining uh, Johnny's legacy, and I encourage everybody to, uh, you know, go on YouTube, see who this Johnny Carson guy was all about, see what the big deal was, because, you know, this is a guy who, who got us through the John Kennedy assassination, yeah. Martin Luther King, yep. Bobby Kennedy, different depressions and recessions that we went through, and every night he was the guy America looked to to make sure everything was going to be all right. We'll close with this, Shelley, one of my favorite moments on The Tonight Show. George Goble was sitting there talking to Johnny. Johnny's looking at him. George Goble's looking at Johnny. Dean Martin is sitting next to George Goble smoking a cigarette, and he kept doffing his ash into George Goble's drink. <laughs> I will never forget. And George Goebel never knew he did it. He's putting the ashes in his drink. God, what a great show. Shelly. That's where he said he felt like a brown pair of shoes with a tuxedo. That's exactly. I remember that very, very clearly. I do, too. I feel like a brown pair of shoes and the world is a tuxedo. Shelly, you got to go on tour. You got to come in the studio. It'd be great to sit across the table from you and, and talk about it for hours. Get me an iced tea, and I'll be right there. <laughs> okay, I'll make sure that Dean Martin doesn't put his ashes in it when you're drinking it. That'll be good. She has been cut off. Shelly Herman, ladies and gentlemen. She, God, I what? I hope I didn't go on too much for you guys, but that, that well, show. Well, you did, but that's okay. Yeah. I didn't need to be here today. No. <laughs> oh, God. I know. I, I don't know how many people have given you the boxed set of the CDs of... Johnny Carson show. I got I think, a, yeah. about 20 of them. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> that gosh. is very true. The Godfather and the Johnny Carson show. I tell you what, though. I mean, Those honestly, are your, your two uh, go-to things. Because of Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon and Doc Severinsen and Tommy Newsom and all that. I knew from the time I was probably 15 years old what I wanted to do. I just literally wanted to go on the radio and pretend I was Johnny Carson. You know? Or I, I, not pretend I was Johnny Carson, but to kind of follow in his footsteps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I loved it. I, I cannot tell you, how, to this day, when I sit down in front of our television and watch a show from 50 years ago, 50 years ago that was, it's still as funny today as it was five decades ago. I, I know I go on and on about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, <laughs> but th- there's a whole season where she gets a job on a talk show. And yeah. they call him Jack or Pardo, Pardo, Pardo or something like that. What's the guy's remember. name? I don't remember. It's, it's a take on, you know, the talk show host yeah. of the time mm-hmm. and how and how it worked, you know, with the writers going into the room all day long and pitching all the jokes to the the king, you know, and all that stuff. It was it was really interesting. Was. Yeah. yeah. And it's really interesting. Yeah, like the 40 in one thing. They had to write 40 jokes in an hour. Yeah, 40 jokes in an hour. 20 in one or something like that. And Yeah, yeah and how having a woman writer was just like throwing everything off. Yeah. They just couldn't even, what do we do with her? You know, I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. Looking, looking at today's shows, it, there's really nobody like that for you guys. Is there one talk show, Alex and Andy, that you or, or Tevin obviously too – is there one talk show that you watch, or do you even watch talk shows? Never anymore? watched a talk no. show in my life. There you go. No. I've watched um, certain interviews of certain people on talk shows, but mm-hmm. probably not for a couple years. Yeah. I think the only like talk show that I ever watched was in high school. We watched the Colbert Report every Friday because oh, yeah. our teacher just liked to mail it in and yeah. let us watch that on Fridays. Do you think it's... 
I mean, because I got to be honest with you, I can't watch these talk shows because these people are dreadfully bad, particularly Stephen Colbert. He's terrible on that show. Yeah. You know, they used to be good. And then when they all turned into, you know, political, political hacks, political it just, hacks. they yep. just lost it. Johnny would never have done that. No, no, no. way. And today it feels like they're trying to do an impression of a talk show host while they're seems like being it. a talk show. It's yeah. Like it's not it doesn't feel yep. natural. They know the formula but they don't yep. really have the uh, ability. Well, I yeah. think what you, you know, why you like Johnny Carson so much is because he he could be he was very funny himself, but he didn't have to be the star every Correct. moment. Correct. You know, and I think today it's like all the attention has to be about me. Mm-hmm. What I, I buy my book, buy my pizza sauce, buy you know something. Yeah. It's all about them and Johnny brought out the best in his guests i think no. well i don't think there's I think any that's question the about difference it. and today with a lot of talk show hosts like people are always trying to promote something or sell something and so if you get like a comedian on the a lot of times they're just setting them up they'll be like oh how was your flight in today and yeah they, like now they're telling a their airplane joke right until, oh, like you know God. so it's not nothing about it is natural yeah, and I, Johnny used to have comedians just come on and do a bit, and then they would just leave. They didn't all come and sit down and talk to him. He had to invite him over to the couch, otherwise uh-huh. they couldn't go over to the couch. Right. Louis Anderson was invited over his first time on The Tonight Show. That's yep. weird. What? What a weird, you can't come to the couch. Well, to think about yeah. that, you know, Louis, that, that's how he got his big break was he the blew up after blew the tonight up. show and yep. that just you know there's nothing like that anymore no and it, well it's because it's very like much so like like a gatekeeper type mm-hmm. feel to it where like comedians would be like oh i gotta get on with leno or i gotta get on with so-and-so because that's gonna help my career Absolutely. exponentially yeah and that's not the truth the truth anymore oh, no it? not anymore just no. i mean you got Johnny, what the hell is this? You got, uh, you got uh, Jimmy, I mean, you got Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon. You got these shows are terrible. They're not funny at all. And I just, and they all, and you're right, because they all went very, very, well, Jimmy, Jimmy, what's the other Jimmy? There's Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel and, Jimmy and Fallon. Fallon. He doesn't get political, does he? He's just kind of terrible. I just didn't watch him. I don't as, know. Yeah, as far as I know, I don't think so. There you have it. Yeah, it's like I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in years and years. No, once, no. once they Decades. got all once they got all hacky political, it was just like, yep. I'm not into yep. it anymore. Well, when that woman sat down and played the piano and sang Hallelujah because a, a Republican won, it's like, are you pulling my tit, really? Pulling my well, tit. Why you say that? It makes me physically sick. <laughs> okay, well, pulling my leg. Yeah. I'll go back to legs. <laughs> I like pulling my tit. Just, no. That was yeah. Peter be Falk. Different. Yeah, be different. Peter Falk in a great movie. <laughs> The guy's lying to him, and Peter Falk goes, you're pulling my tit. Because he said, pulling. he had that deal, the thick, thick tongue deal. You're pulling my tit. I thought it was very funny. So he'll say it over and over. We'll and keep it away from Alex, you. though. We'll never say it in front of Alex again as long as we live. <laughs> All right, we got about one minute left. Any, any closers? Uh, let's see. What is today? Wednesday? Wednesday, Wednesday the 21st. Do we have another heat wave today? Yeah, it's supposed to be 92. Yep. Another, 92. do we have another air quality problem? Oh, one of those, yes. What is with the ozone laying all over the ground now? I don't, know. I don't know. Used to be we had a hole in the ozone. Now the ozone's on the ground. What's happening here? Yeah, I think it was last Wednesday. I left here and I was like, it looks kind of foggy out. Yeah. And then my phone is like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be outside. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's summer in Minnesota. Nice. Shut up. About Thanks, the, Yeah, we need to go outside. Mm-hmm. We'll go play. right now, as a matter of fact. All right. Great. That's going to do it. Talk to you tomorrow.